You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio. And it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. For the Tennessee Valley, this is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, January 16th, 2020. We are broadcasting live on... 2021! 2021! Man, I need to change my script. We're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. The recording of this program will play tomorrow, Saturday, or Sunday, January 17th, 2021, on the great in Russellville, Alabama. Can we just start over? <laughs> Today we're talking to Mindy Iser about our most recent article for In These Times magazine titled, The Union Members Who Voted for Trump Have to Be Organized, Not Ignored. We'll spend the rest of the show dissecting Amazon's newly published anti-union website and taking calls. All this and more on today's Valley Labor Report. I appreciate you bearing with me through that. I I am contrary to my appearance if you're watching on the stream. I apparently don't have it together this morning. So, <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> what a morning. What a morning. David, you were rubbing off on me. David left his PC at home this morning, and so he get, luckily he gets here really early, and so he had to, and so he got here, realized he didn't have his PC, and so he had to go back like 45 minutes home and then come back. Luckily, he gets here really early, because if I had left something at home, I would have just been SOL, because I get here like 30 minutes before the show starts, maybe. So, And I live 35 minutes away from the studio, so... I would have been SOL. Uh, But, you know, thanks for tuning in, folks. We appreciate your time. If you want to see what we're doing throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore AL. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. And you should really go follow our Twitter, folks. We are like... Four followers away from having a thousand followers on Twitter. Look the the Twitstagrams, the the Twit Chat, the Twitterverse. Yeah. So you should follow us there. Uh, if you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, then you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go bo- go back and watch the full show there. Uh, and we also clip segments and release it throughout the week. So if you don't want to watch the whole show, just one topic seems interesting to you, you can go back through our catalog and see the different things that we've talked about. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, you can go to the 
Valley Labor Report. Transistor.fm slash subscribe. We have a website now. You can go there and check out our work as well, thevalleylaborreport.org. And finally, if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, then you can consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Yeah. Believe it or not, the corporations are not coming out of the woodworks to help sponsor this right. show. Right. So and you can tell from our advertisers. Our advertisers are unions, local progressive nonprofits, and uh, union law firms. So, you know, uh, and and uh, and a uh, and and occasionally like other progressive podcasts. So, uh, you know, we're really thankful for the advertisers that we do have. But listener support really goes a long way. Um, so today we are talking to Mindy Iser. She's an organizer and a union member of the Communication Workers of America Local 1180. She is a writer out of Philadelphia and has written for a myriad of publications, including Scalawag, Jacobin, Current Affairs, The Nation, and is a frequent contributor to In These Times, which is why we're talking to her today. Uh, We're talking to her about her most recent piece piece, um, about the importance of organizing people that that don't have the same ideas as we do. Both David and I consider ourselves very left-wing, but if you consider yourself a unionist, which David and I do, it's important to organize people that are conservative, our sisters and brothers that have different ideas about about different things than we do, we can't ostracize them uh, because that's not how you build a strong a strong union. It's very timely, uh, given the uh, 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 you know given everything that we've seen and and. An article came out yesterday, which was a, par- a partnership between ProPublica and AL.com, which was. I mean, this is just the perfect time to be having this conversation because everybody knows there was an Alabama man that died at the Capitol. Um, uh, His name was Kevin Greeson, and he was the vice president of the UFCW Local 88T at the Goodyear plant uh, in Decatur. The plant is now owned by a Korean manufacturing firm. It is still union, actually. It's still the same union. UFCW Local 88T, they're, they're still there. But he was the vice president at that union until 2006. He went to Obama's inauguration because he was such a fan of Obama. And he got sucked in to a right-wing rabbit hole. And um, before the end of his life, he was talking about how Obama needs to be executed on parlor. I mean, th- this is the kind of stuff. And, and this is why we wanted to be on this station, Mindy. I'm not sure if you. I'm not sure how much David told you, but this is a conservative station. This is where Sean Hannity got his start. Uh, the program before us is a financial management program that was talking about how corporate taxes are always paid by consumers and workers, never by corporate executives, which we know is a lie because the tax cuts uh, on corporations went completely to corporate executives we did not see a cut in we didn't see a cut in prices and we didn't see uh, rate the raising wages from that they got all the money there so if tax increases all are paid by consumers and workers then you would think that tax cuts are benefiting consumers and workers but we know that that's not true and listeners of the station know that that's not true because they know their lived reality but they but but you know this is why we wanted to be on the station because these are the things that the folks that listen here are that's what they're told that's what they're told all the time and so you know mindy that's a that, that was a long introduction but I, I wanted to give you just a just a bit here uh at the beginning to give us an overview of your article you know what 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 was kind of the premise of your article and what what did you say there 
Yeah, thank you so much for and having good morning. me. And good morning. And, yeah, <laughs> good, good, good morning and thanks for talking to us. Sorry. I, I, this is I'm so excited about this conversation. I think it's so timely and relevant to what we're doing and and so I I just got carried away, but thank you for talking to us and and, and good morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good morning. No, you don't don't apologize. I'm really happy to be here. Um thank you for your work. Um, I guess I should just say why I wanted to sort of explore this topic, which is that, you know, I, I'm a unionist. That's how I identify. That's the, I guess, like the root of my life and my work. And in 2015, when Trump was running, I was really bothered by all of the stories about like Joe the plumber kind of people. Yeah. Like uh, reporters would go to these diners, find some working class people who went from Obama to Trump and just cause kind of, that was the whole story. There was no real why there. And most importantly, no real, how do we fix this? Or what what caused this phenomenon, phenomenon and how do we fix it? And so that was really, really what I wanted to explore. And so I spoke to a handful of union members who either had at one point been registered Democrats or who had voted for Democrats in the past, particularly Obama, and to understand um, what drew them to Trump and where they were at politically now. And Honestly, it's daunting, the, the work that we have to do, but I do feel strongly, uh, like you were saying, that this is our work to do. It is our job to organize our class. It is our responsibility to talk to people who might have views that we personally find disgusting. And, you know, it's not to say that this isn't like a romanticization of working people. It's not, oh, you work for a wage that makes you a good and pure person. It's that working people have the power to change our society because of the work that we do every day, because of our ability to not work. Um, and so that's that's the basis on why we need to talk to working people, even if we disagree with them. And of course, there are going to be people who we're never going to be able to reach, whose sympathies lie with their boss, and those people need to be isolated and ignored. But um, for people who are in you know the mushy middle, we need to bring them over to our side. Yeah, and and the. the I'm, I'm less concerned about the people that we can't reach that are sympathetic with their boss because I believe mm -hmm. at some point uh, you can win a lot of those people over because eventually everybody sees that their boss is not on their side. At some point, uh, the ones that I that I look at that I feel like we, we can't reach or, and probably shouldn't reach are those that are uh, uh, that are overtly racist or overtly fascist uh, you know and and both of those terms gets used a lot on the liberal uh, talk shows and, and and in the liberal media and with liberals in general and I think to to its detriment they get they probably get used too much uh, but those I feel like those are the people that we don't want to bring in uh, but back to your article you at the, at the, in the beginning you talked about uh, the loss of electoral votes with the wages of under 50,000 uh, per year. And, you know, most of us in the in the labor movement are making well in excess of 50,000 a year, unless you're, um, you know, one of the one of the people working at UFCW at Kroger or something or other like that. 
So I feel like we've lost a lot more that, uh, of those vote votes than what your article lays out. Uh, and for, I think, for good reason. Uh, one, one, and, and I'm constantly, uh, Jacob is more of a, of, of a liberal type, uh, leans more towards electoral politics. I'm more of the anarchist type that leans more towards I hate both parties. But I can see, because I've seen it with my own two eyes, in this state, how and and the article that he laid out before, how the Democratic Party has or the Democrat Party has left the working class uh, behind. I mean, the only time they ever talk to us or do anything for us is or, or say they're going to do anything for us is at uh, election time. At what? And so your article was well written, but my question would be. Is it so much that we need to win the 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 right wing or moderate faction of union members back, or is it the fact that the Democrat Party needs to bring the working class to to reconsider the policies that they're making and move away from corporatist policies and more towards working class policies? That's a great question, and I, I think it's both, and I think they they relate to each other. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to be engaging our union brothers and sisters on issues in the workplace and outside of the workplace. You know, too many unions are not really um, having the conversations that they desperately need to be having with their members. And I understand why, you know, it's a question of priorities, putting out fires here and there, and, you know, things like Janice and other um, anti-union legislation that unions are dealing with. And, you know, there's a lot of competing priorities, but I do think, um, Organizing our coworkers is really important, and I also think, yeah, yeah the we're going to uh, bring you back on on the other side of the break, and, and we'll let you finish that thought. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. We've got a really exciting episode for you today. We are talking to Mindy Iser about her most recent article in In These Times magazine about organizing Trump union voters. Um, and, and David asked a really good question uh, before before we went into that break. And, and, and it was, you know, um, th- th- there's a certain aspect of Trump union voters leaving the Democratic Party, um, uh, wh- which is which is a trend that that may be sort of problematic. But but on the flip side, uh, there's certainly definitely a perception, and to a certain extent, that, that there's a, there's a bit of truth there that the Demo- the Democratic Party has left the union voters. Um, Not just the union voters, working the, class yeah, working, in general. Right, right. And so you were kind of teasing that out as we went into the break. So, uh, so um, I'll let, let you finish your thought there. Um, yeah. So I guess one thing I'll say is that we should be very clear that 
a huge, huge, huge chunk of working people do not vote at all. They don't vote for Democrats. They don't vote for Republicans. They are just completely out of the political sphere in that way, because what you're saying is that, you know, we don't working people don't see themselves represented. They don't feel heard. They don't feel like it will matter how they vote. And then also, um, similarly, Trump's base primarily is just the average Republican base, you know, petty bouge, uh, small business owners, rich people. That is the Trump base. And yes, he did uh, get a portion of the working class. That's absolutely true. And we need to try to bring those people back. But it's also not like a working class revival for Trump. Most working class people don't vote at all. So that's the big thing. And then, you know, thinking about the Democrats. Yeah, I think there is there is a really big question of what the Democrats will do next. And personally, I think that the left wing of the party and even the center right wing of the party uh, needs to be 100% focused on passing the PRO Act. That has to be the number one priority of every single Democrat right now, both because we desperately need to um, expand and strengthen uh, the union movement, like yesterday we need to do it, uh, but also just selfishly for the Democrats, because union members are more likely to vote. They're more likely to vote Democrat. If they want to have a majority and keep a majority, they're going to need more union members. And so just thinking if I were Chuck Schumer or whoever, I guess not him, but, you know, if I, if I were a Democrat anywhere in the country that isn't, um, you know, a definite uh, Democratic stronghold, I would be thinking, wow, I need desperately to expand union density in my district so I can hold on to my seat. As selfish as that is, you know, we want that too because we want more workers in unions. Right. Right. And and that's and, and you know, you mentioned the, the selfishness of that. And it's really interesting how um, like Republicans understand what you're saying. Republican office holders understand what you're saying because they think of that selfish. How do I keep power once I get it thing? We can look at Scott Walker in Wisconsin. The first thing that he tried to do was he passed Act 10, which destroyed public sector unions in Wisconsin. And what do you know? After that, Wisconsin goes to Trump. I mean, it, it's it, it's clear when Republican officeholders get into uh, into power, they structure they they do things to structure society such that their power is more easily held onto. They destroy working class uh, organizations. They destroy um, centers of working class power, and and they, they do voter suppression. They they make it harder to vote. Things like that gerrymandering and Democrats just. They just seem totally averse to, to, to just the most selfish calculus of how do I keep power. Like it's totally not in their analysis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Republicans totally, deeply understand the power of unions in a way that Democrats oddly do not because they are Democrats are so dependent on um, unions and not just like contributions or resources, but union members to be literally soldiers on the ground for them. And we've seen that um, the last, the special election in Georgia and obviously the presidential election, Unite Here specifically really threw down um, to get Biden in office and to win those seats in Georgia. And they couldn't have done that without them. And so, you know, Democrats need to really take a note out of the 
Republican book and, mm-hmm. and truly understand the the power of unions and also the transformative power, how they transform individual workers and make them political actors. Yeah. And 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 and, and a good way of doing that, going back to your article and folks we had uh, we had somebody on YouTube ask about the article. Could we link to the article? So we sent the link in uh, YouTube. But if you're listening out on the radio, uh, the article was at in these times, uh, which is kind of a uh, a labor oriented periodical that comes out. So uh, you can you can find the article if you just go to Google and search Mindy Iser, uh, and and all of her articles on in, in these times would come up. But uh, the 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 talking points of the of the Democrat Party have been so poor. One of the things you pointed out in the article was that uh, one of the union voters looked at the economy and said, "Well, the economy is doing great. So, and Trump is the reason behind this. So, we want to try to keep him in power." And my question is. Yes, the economy is doing great. We talk we talk about it every week. The economy was doing great under Obama too. I mean, the, the trajectory is basically the same under Trump as it was under the uh, under Obama. We're seeing the exact same growth. The problem is we're not seeing the exact same growth in our wages and in our benefits and the things that we need to see happen. So, but but the the, the, the Republicans has, has got everybody convinced right. that if the economy is doing great, then everybody's wonderful. And yeah, Wall Street's wonderful. The CEOs are wonderful. But the working class people are taking it in the ass, and 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 it's, and it's happened for the last fifty years. And the Democrats, other than the few progressives, Bernie, AOC, and, and a few others, uh, uh, are speaking about it. But but everybody else is just kind of acting like everything's wonderful. You know what? I, I I don't get it. You know, and I guess my question is, what can we do to to force them or to make them realize there's there's votes to be had out there, but they've got to start talking to working class people. Totally. I mean, I think it's a two pronged thing. It's like we need desperately to raise class consciousness in this country because. Like you're saying, people are like, oh, the economy is great. That means I'm great, even if there's like no food in your fridge or whatever. And, you know, it's a it's a horrible time right now. Obviously, we have not seen unemployment at this level since the Great Depression. COVID is, you know, destroying entire communities. Um, I guess the one silver lining, if you can call it that, is that maybe it is in a way raising some class consciousness with Um, our fellow workers, people who are told that they're essential employees, that they're heroes, healthcare heroes, grocery store heroes, uh, but they, they're struggling to pay. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. On the line we have Mindy Iser. She is a frequent contributor to In These Times. We're talking to her about her most recent article on uh, organizing the Trump Union voter. And we were talking on the other side of the break. We were talking about how, uh, you know, the the 
it, it's really amazing because Trump has been able to convince people that the economy is doing so much better under him when all of the trends are basically the same. Wall Street CEOs, stock market is going up at almost exactly the same trend line as it did under Obama, and wages, benefit packages, and a, a total compensation for working people has stayed the same just like it did under Obama. And so you've got a real kind of... You've got a, a, a real um, difference in in success of messaging here. You, you've got these folks convinced that the economy is the stock market and the economy is doing good, and so I've got it great right now when it's... I mean, everything is the same as when Trump came into office, more or less. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> throwing it back to you, Minnie. What? What? You, and and I, let me let me apologize because I am completely screwing up this time and on the show. The whole thing has just got me off this morning. But uh, what? What? What is your opinion? Do in your opinion, does, does the party need to do to bring the to make these people realize or to help these people realize? I say, make them. Uh, that that we're that everybody's struggling, and, and the economy is not tied to your paycheck. Certainly not tied to your paycheck. Yeah, I mean, the party needs to make a decision. I mean, just to put it really bluntly, if they want to be the party of workers or they want to be the party of bosses, and for a while they've tried to straddle the line to be both, um, and and you just you really can't. And so they need to make a choice. And I, I do think another part of this is revitalizing the union movement yeah. and pushing people to understand their status in our society, for lack of a better term. And that is what's so powerful about union organizing, because it's people having conversations that they normally just would not be having and talking about their real problems and getting them to actually think about them and think about the cause of them and understand that they don't have to be embarrassed that they're struggling. And it's not a, a personal failure. It's a societal failure. And someone needs to do something about it. And if the Democrats want to be the champions of the working class, then they need to be the people to do something about that. And right now that means monthly checks to, to every single person in this country. Yeah, and and it it, it brings it, it it's something that I, I sent you on the email last night. It brings up the the point of we have a a good progressive portion of the party that pushes for these things that that does not want to see austerity measures that that uh that doesn't uh start their campaign fundraisers off with union busting law firms and they are constantly demonized not just by the right who we expect them to, to demonize them but but by the majority of their own party uh, and it's just it's, it's so frustrating and that's kind of it's kind of the point that I constantly make is I don't see how how we can bring more people in so long as uh, we're fighting the moderate Democrat and we're also in the we're fighting the right wing and then we're also fighting the moderates in, in the party. Uh, it just it's, it's I don't I don't know it's frustrating, but how I guess the question would be we as a working class are. Uh, apparently are not making our voices heard uh what would be your opinion or your your thoughts on 
how to bring this whole thing together because I don't I really don't see a path I, I, the path that I see right now is in 2022 uh, the Republicans take over Congress again and 2024 they they have a supermajority in the uh, in the uh, with the presidency and Congress as well uh, because because everybody's shooting themselves in their foot in their feet yeah, no, that's a really depressing thought, and I think it's definitely possible if um, the Democrats don't wise up very soon. I also think, not to be like blindly optimistic or hopeful, is that the left wing of the party, it's really new. I mean, yeah. all of this happened since 2015, basically. I mean, since Bernie ran the first time. And time is very long and like we have just not been in this fight electorally really very long at all and we've had some really big successes both federally um statewide and municipally and so i think we just need to keep doing what we're doing and get sharper and smarter and do it better i mean there's no easy way there are no shortcuts as jane mcalevey says famously and it's just about organizing and fighting and pushing and i really do think like every unionist in this country should be singing in our heads the union makes us strong that should be guiding us with everything we do we should be talking to our coworkers, whether we're in unions or not and even if we are in unions yes still talking to our coworkers and um, making sure we're getting people like Bernie Sanders and the squad in office. And that just means talking about work all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I didn't mean to sound depre depressing, but my, my, I mean, I've lived for 50 years and I've seen the same thing happen. I tell Jacob all the time, I've, I've went through numerous administrations, both uh, Democrat and Republican, and, and we always end up with the same thing. The one positive that I see coming out of this cycle is uh, the, the the painters union the uh, mm -hmm. IUPAT organizing around the pro act like you spoke of earlier, and I think that, uh, like you said, could reinvigorate not just the party but the uh, the working class and the and the union movement, the labor movement in general. Uh, and this wasn't really covered in your article, but what what are your thoughts on because I've seen both sides. I've seen a lot of people say there's no chance in hell we're ever going to see this get through. Then I've seen some people say there's a good possibility. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Um, I think we have to try. And, um, <laughs> not only do we have to try, I mean, we, it has to be our number one priority. And I know there's a lot of competing priorities right now and a lot of things that people want to get done. But I really do believe that everything comes back to the union movement. We don't have other social goods without a strong working class movement. We don't have um, abortion rights without a strong working class movement. We don't have anything without that. And so that needs to be every single union's first priority, every single working class person's first priority. And we need to find a way to make it sexy and to talk about it and to get people excited about it. Because when you say the PRO Act, people are like, yeah. what's that? But it's like, you deserve a union. You deserve to be able to form a union. Most people don't know how hard it is to actually right. organize, especially in places like the South with right-to-work laws. And, you know, I think 
we just there's nothing we can do but try and i think we've learned a lot of lessons from trying to pass efca or at least i hope we learned a lot of lessons from trying to pass efca and we can use those lessons and we can use the fact that unions were completely instrumental in defeating trump this time into actually um putting some pressure on these democrats to make sure it passes Mm -hmm. and you mentioned that you know you mentioned how important the pro act is for building working class power which is you know, more or less synonymous with with building union power and how that is important for everything else. Anything that is that is good for the working class, a better, uh, a more organized working class is going to help that. And and so the PRO Act is going to help that. And, you know, I've talked to some people that are outside of the labor movement that are very progressive and very left leaning about the PRO Act. And they're just and, and, you know, they're just like, I mean, I just don't really care. Like, I, you know, they're, they're like, fine, I would like for it to pass. That's that's all well and good if the PRO Act passes, but it's like, you know, they're, they're like, I'm not writing to my senator about that. Like, I don't, you know, I don't care. I want um, tuition forgiveness. I want um, I, I want debt-free college. I want uh, uh, health care. I want Medicare for all. I want uh, those $2,000 checks, you know, things like that. How do we make people care? How do we make people uh, outside of the labor movement care about the PRO Act? Totally. I think that's a great question. I mean, you can tell them straight up, there is no debt-free college, there is no Green New Deal, there is no Medicare for all without a strong labor movement. And we have a opposite of that. We have a very weak labor movement and we are going to need boots on the ground fighting for Medicare for all, tuition-free college, a Green New Deal. And we will not have the capacity to have those boots on the ground without millions more people in unions. Right. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to point out that unions are also, I mean, my, my international was one of the first ones on board with universal health care 30 mm-hmm. years ago, 30 years ago. So everybody that, that, that uh, thinks that this is some kind of uh, new pie in the sky program that just that dropped out of the air, out of the benevolence of the, of the progressive wing, they're, they're, they're idiots. We've been calling for universal health care since the 70s. We were one of the first ones to sign on to Medicare for all. And and the talking points on the right has been the, the union doesn't want it because they've got better benefit, better uh, health care packages. And that's absolutely false. Absolutely false. Right. Uh, you know, the people that are really actually serious about this, they understand the, the union members that are actually serious about this. They understand that that having, you know, health care like health care takes up so much of negotiations when it takes up so much of your compensation package. If you remove that from the from the negotiating table, if you remove that power from the boss, it makes it so much easier. Because one of the things that we've seen over and over strike after strike is we'll have articles and articles about people being worried because their health care is taken away during a strike. A, a lot of times if they've got health care through their job and that's that's a lot of power that a boss has over uh, uh over the employees mindy have you got time for one more segment i've got a couple more uh, a couple more things I, I i'd like to ask you yeah absolutely so the thing the and and i'll just kind of preview it on this side of the break and then then i'll let you answer on the other side but We've been talking about a lot about elections and a lot about legislation. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in, in how do we – in about actually building um, power within a union uh, because actually a lot of these people who are – a lot of folks who are in unions that are right-wing, not only have they become more right-wing as far as their electoral voting patterns, they have actually lost faith – in the union and they have and 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 they are less enthusiastic about the union and if they don't have a union in their workplace they're more likely to say like we don't need it we don't need a a union in my workplace and so how do you actually you know how do you make people see 
see the 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 you know wh- what do you think about making people see the value in having a union in your workplace um, if they don't have one? And so, so we'll talk about that on the other side. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. Here is my co-host David Story. On the line we have Mindy Iser. She is a, 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 a contributing writer for In These Times magazine, talking to her about her most recent article about organizing Trump Union voters. One of the things that we talked about on the other side of the break was um, how will building union power uh, build support for um, how will it build support for progressive policy goals? And and I kind of uh, uh, I kind of roasted somebody that that, that I know uh, that that's kind of left leaning, and um, you know uh, because I, I told them about the Pro Act and 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 said you know it, it'll ha- building union power is, is important for all of these things, and, and they're and they're listening right now, and and they texted me, and you said they said you still didn't explain how unions will actually fight for health care. Mindy, I asked you another question, or, or how you how building union power gets you healthcare or free college, things like that. I asked you a different question on the other side of the break, uh, but if we could quickly address that, I think that would be I think that would be useful because we um, we just said that unions have been supporting it, which is true since the '90s. The machinist union has been supporting universal health care since the '90s, but we didn't actually say, okay, how does actually having higher union density uh, make healthcare, free college, things like that, more possible? Yeah, totally. It's a really good question. And I mean, it's not as simple as like more unions means Medicare for all tomorrow. If if it was, that would be really awesome. Uh, But it's not. And to be clear, there are unions that are opposed uh, to universal health care. There are union members that don't necessarily understand, excuse me, uh, Medicare for all. And we need to definitely have conversations with those members and push those unions to do the right thing. But I mean, the way it works is kind of simple. It's organizing regular working class people to take action in our society, which sounds simple, but actually it's hard. And it's hard because um, it it works. And that's why uh, politicians have made it nearly impossible to form unions because they truly understand the power of them and the power of getting um, workers to understand that they have the right to be politically active. And when they come together with other workers, they can be politically active and they can make change. Additionally, obviously, when workers pool their resources with their unions and make uh, political contributions through their their unions. Those unions can be very powerful and help swing elections, just like these these billionaires and these uh, right wingers. Except our money comes from mm-hmm. ourselves and our work, and from pulling it with each other. And so, just the fact that um, working people can come together to take action and to pull their resources that that's powerful. And there there really has been very few uh, social gains made without. Um, the power of working people and the, the power of their organizations. Yeah, and, and well, if I could just interject for a minute before we move on to the next topic, one of the things that most people don't realize, and I've brought it up on the show a couple of times, but without the labor movement, there would have not been a civil rights movement. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that UAW personally took out, yeah. put, took money out of their pockets to bail Dr. King out of jail 
whenever you know at, and the brotherhood of sleeping carporters and, provided com- uh, uh, transportation exactly um, and, and and the fact that the people that are that are lobbying the democrat party right now are the healthcare industry mm-hmm. the only the only pushback the only pushback to that is through the labor movement and National our Nerd- nurses united yeah and our PACs and our lobbyists mm-hmm. i mean it's it's as simple as that there's there's there is no other path to it other than through the in my opinion other than through the labor movement and you wouldn't have had medicare medicaid social security without the involvement of the labor movement the labor movement was very instrumental in passing all of those things and let's look at the union density right when all of those things passed we're looking at 30% union density yeah, rate at that time workers were because wanted. because workers wanted it and workers were organized and so workers got it so I think I think that's I think that's a really good answer Mindy thank thank you very much for that and so the, the question that I asked before the break was how do we get people to actually see the union as something that benefits them because uh, th- th- there's there's a caller that we've had actually that's and he, he, he's a good brother he's a member of the letter carriers and uh, he's a Trump supporter Okay, he listens to the station. I hear him call into the station all the time when when it's not us, and he's called into the station with us. He he supports the union. He thinks the union is fine and good. He understands that the union has got him his pension and his health care, um, but 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 he doesn't see that as like he doesn't he doesn't vote on union rights, and you know he knows that he knows that Democrats are no, are more supportive of unions than Republicans are. But he said, "Well, look at the stock market one time with us," and it's like how how do you get people even that even that have a union in their workplace and that are supportive of it, but there are a lot of people that have a union in their workplace and they're not supportive of it, and then there are a lot of people that don't have a union in their workplace and they're not going to fight for it. So how do you get people to see that? the labor movement having a union is like really the best thing that they can do for making their material circumstances better yeah great question and it's hard i mean i will say that a lot of people do want to be in unions a lot of people want to be in unions unions have their highest approval rating that i think they've had in decades people want to be in unions there are just so many barriers to actually doing it Mm -hmm. and of course you're always going to find a disgruntled union member or whoever but i really think the way forward is through engagement and through struggle it's like yeah, people are like, yeah, I like my union, whatever, who cares? Well, <laughs> right. you wouldn't think that if they were gone, because that means your pension's gone, and that means your health care is gone, and that means um, your health and safety program is gone. And so it's one of those things, like, you treat your romantic partner like crap, they leave you, and then you're like, oh, damn, I should have been better to them, because right. they were really, really great, and I'm never going to do better. I mean, it's a silly a silly you know, analogy, but I think in a way it's true. People get so used to being in a union. They were never in there. It's not like they formed the union at their workplace. They came into a union job. They experienced the pain and benefits. They thought, Hey, yeah, this is good, but they don't actually know uh, the difference. And so really hammering home that union difference, doing political education with members, showing them how hard it was to get the union. You know, my mom is a letter carrier. And so understanding, um, you know, the, the postal strike of 1970, I think, that actually transformed the postal service and created collective bargaining rights for letter carriers is, is huge to make sure people like that know what's going on 
going on because you have to know um, what things were like before the union and how hard people had to fight for the union and had to go on strike and risk huge fines and risk um, their job forever just to make their workplace better. And for someone to do that for you decades yes. in the future. Uh, without knowing you is is huge and such a sacrifice. And I think if more people understood the sacrifice that all workers in this country and around the world took to have a voice in their workplace and for us to have a voice in our workplaces now, I think people would have a little more humility and um, you know take take a second to think, wow, my union really does mean something. And just right. to show people how hard the rich and the politicians are fighting to take your union away from you. That should, mm -hmm. that should tell you something. Why do billionaires not want you to be able to be in a union? That should make you want to fight like hell to, to keep your union and to strengthen it. And, and 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 rightfully so, you pointed out earlier, uh, and 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 there that the, the the pensions. You know, one of the things that the unions have brought forward was the pension. But the fact is, uh, we uh, in, in our local, we lost our pension two contracts ago. It, it was froze two contracts ago. It was sold off this last contract, and everybody wonders why 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 are we losing these things? But they refuse to recognize hmm. that the loss of power, not just the loss of union density in our area, but also the loss of legislative power in our area. No, no one's supposed the the Republican Party wants us all on four hundred one k's. You know, they don't want the companies do not want to fund pensions, right. and so we've slowly lost them. Uh, but also to the point that you are making that people have become uh, bystanders in their union. You know, uh, it's. We everyone needs to be involved. One of the reasons that I got so involved in this union, although I've been a union member since I was sixteen, uh, I come into this union and the people that came that were hired before me had just come off of a ninety-one day strike for my retiree health care. Not for theirs; they weren't losing theirs. They were losing new high retiree health care, and 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 I looked at that and I thought these people just sacrificed three months of their lives. For me, somebody that they didn't even know, I've got to step up to the plate and and be active in this union. So that's powerful. Yeah, it that's really cool. is. It's the most it's the most powerful, and I think truly personally transformative thing. I mean, we saw this in 2019 when UAW struck at GM. That was really about workers in the future and younger workers. It wasn't about uh, people close to retiring. It was about their wages, their health care. Yeah, man, Mindy, I have, I could talk to you for the rest of the program. I've really enjoyed this, but I, I'll go ahead and let you go. I, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much. This has been, I think, one of my favorite conversations. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find your work? Um, I guess on Twitter.com. It's just <laughs> my first and last name, and I have a website, but it's it's boring. But I also had a really nice time. Thank you for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was truly a pleasure. We were talking in the break that this has been one of our best, our favorite interviews so far, uh, not just because of, of who you are, but because of what you uh, said. Yeah, what you said, yeah. and that, I think that's important to get out to to all the listeners out mm -hmm. there. Yeah, I mean that's exactly that's exactly why we wanted to be on the station. Both of us are left wing folks. We thought about trying to go to the local NPR affiliate, but we were like, you know, we want to reach the you know conservative folks because uh, you know. 
Well, that that's where we are. I mean, we're in Alabama, and if if we can't reach conservative people, then then we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose. So, Mindy, thank you so much for talking to you. This is the Valley Labor Report. We will be right back. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. We just finished our conversation with Mindy Iser about her most recent article in In These Times magazine about organizing Trump voters. Man, that was a good conversation. If you missed it, you should go subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube, uh, uh, we're at the Valley Labor Report on YouTube. You can just search the Valley Labor Report on YouTube and you'll be able to find us. You should subscribe to us there. And we're only one follower away from 1,000 followers on, on, twi- on, on Twitter now. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Labor Reporters. You should do that. You should really subscribe to our YouTube channel, though, because if once we get those once we get those get that number up to 1,000, um, we can start looking at, at making some advertising uh, on YouTube and bringing in some money. And that will help us stay on the air. Air. Uh, so if you want to support the show, you don't want to support it. You, you don't have the financial means to support us. Then uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel is a really good way to sharing it, our it, videos, sharing the videos, stuff like that. That's a really good way to do that. But um, and seriously, if you missed, if you if you're just tuning into the radio, make sure you go on YouTube and you find us and, and, and you go back and, and watch the early part of that stream. That this has been one of our favorite conversations with Mindy Iser. Um, I think it was. I think it was really. It was a really good conversation. It was timely. Yes. I mean, it wasn't yes. planned. It's not like you know. As soon as this insanity happened the mm-hmm. other week, that we said, "Oh, we need to get her on." I mean, it just so happened that right. she wrote that article. I mean, she she's probably been writing that article for some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I read the article. And I was like, "Wow, we need to have her yep. on." But so it was. It was very timely. It was, yeah, very timely. Had lots of good things to say. So. Um, everybody knows that there is an Amazon. Uh, there is a, there is a union election at the Amazon facility in Bessemer, Alabama, uh, and we just got an update. So uh, so let's give everybody that update really quick. Da- uh, David, you're the you're the expert on the da da da. You know, Matt, what do you want me to say? Well, they're going to there. Yeah, they're, give us the update. The folks listening on the radio probably don't. don't they might not follow us on Twitter. What what's, I what's mean, the, deal? the update is that that. The, the the details were finally hashed out, and uh, looks like the uh, good brothers and sisters down in Bessemer is going to have a vote for for a union. The the the, the I guess I don't know if it's disappointing. I, honestly, I, we haven't talked with the organizer down there enough to know uh, the, all of the details, so it's mm-hmm. difficult to make an assessment on whether including all of these people. Uh, mm-hmm. Is going to be detrimental or not? But the fact it, the fact that they're agreed to it kind of gives me hope that yeah, uh, it, yeah, that maybe it looks good. I mean, they're talking about 
engineers they're talking about mm-hmm. uh, everybody anybody that works there almost the, the truck drivers got left out and hopefully mm-hmm. if there's some teamsters oh i think it's four oh uh, i think i can't remember the local number over in sheffield but if the teamsters are listening yeah, yeah. they need to be talking to these That's drivers right. because we definitely need yeah uh you know right now ups is fighting not fighting but UPS uh, is in competition with Amazon delivery drivers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we need to get them organized. There's yeah. no reason for them not to be. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, some of the specifics are that uh, you can start mailing your ballot. Uh, if you work at the Amazon facility in Bessemer, you can start mailing your ba- It's a mail-in vote. Uh, so you can start mailing your ballot in and on February 8th. The vote will be counted on March. And it has to be in by Monday, March 29th. The vote will be counted on Tuesday, March the 30th. Plenty of time to get their ballots in and plenty of time for an anti-union campaign. Yeah, Amazon. I mean, unfortunately, you know, that's what you, you expect. So, Everybody knows that going in. Right. Well, so so they've got, they have now, there's two and a half months until the election is concluded. And so that's two and a half months for Amazon to to start union busting. And that's a good segue into what we, what, what I want, what I wanted to kind of spend the, really mostly the rest of the show on um we we don't have that much time so so i think we'll probably be doing this for the rest of the show but uh the first thing they kind of kicked off their anti-union campaign amazon did with a super boilerplate uh anti-union website i mean if you've ever seen anti-union talking points they're all here and they're all none of them are interesting or unique or anything like that. It's, it's all, a package. Yeah, it's all. It to- is literally a package that you purchase. I yeah. I mean, you just just change the pictures in the background, and this could be for any any others any other place that's going through a union election that doesn't want a union. And so, what we wanted to do. Um, we, we felt you know because this is so boilerplate because this is so uninteresting and not unique and this is going to happen at any union campaign i thought that it would be beneficial for us to go through and 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 read to you read to you the listener what amazon is telling these workers uh and then tell you the truth or give you additional context because what they do most of the time is they're not going to actually lie to you they're going to package it in a way that makes it look bad or that they're going to package it in a way to make to, to, to turn you off of the union and it's not necessarily a lie but it's it's deceptive it's very very deceptive and they're couching it in language that makes you uh uh uh, predisposed to be anti-union, and so so we felt like it would be uh, it, it would be good to go through these, and so that you, the listener, can hear them. And and if you go through a union election in your lifetime, or if you if you have been listening to this show for a while, I know that at one point we had a caller who said, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure about your Democrat talking points, but but maybe I'm interested in forming a union. Go if you chase. Cut to the chase, Jacob. Yeah, well, if you're out there listening, we, we th- this is for you so that you know what the boss is going to tell you. Okay. Here's the first thing that they say on their website. If you go to their anti-union website, here is the first image and the first, the, the, the first text that you're going to see. Hey, BHM1 doers, why pay almost $500 in dues? We've got you covered with high wage, uh, covered asterisks. We've got you covered asterisks <laughs> with high wages 
healthcare, vision, and dental benefits, as well as a safety committee and an appeals process. There's so much more you can do for your career and your family without paying dues. Yeah, that's that's. I mean the the first the 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 pronoun that they used to call the workers doers is yeah. absolutely correct. That is correct. They're the only ones mm-hmm. doing yep. anything, which means <laughs> they are the ones that should be reaping right. the benefits of their labor. That's per, uh, perhaps doers uh, was revealing maybe a bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's revealing a bit. You know, they, they kind of overplayed their hand a bit there, perhaps. Um, <laughs> because they're the ones doing the work. So they should get, they should have the, the labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. They're the ones doing the work. They should reap the benefits of their labor. And there they go. Amazon just admitted it. They admitted that these folks are the doers. They're the ones making Amazon run. They're the ones that allow them at this facility, at this distribution facility, they're the ones that allow Amazon to do this two-day shipping. Two-day shipping would be impossible without uh, shipping distribution facilities like the Bessemer facility. But let's go on. Yeah, well, so let's go on yeah. before you break off into the diatribe. You There's, know, the one thing that the, the other thing that needs to be brought up is they say that they've got a safety committee. Is yeah. it a democratically elected safety committee no. or is the safety committee just like every other position in every other company? And the company is going to pick who they want to be a lead mm-hmm. person. The company is going to pick who they want to go on what shift. The company is going to pick everything. And there was an asterisk there and who they've got covered with high wages, health care, vision, and dental benefits because not everybody has those things. They have lots of part-time. In fact, most of the people working there are part-timers uh, and they do not they do not have the $15 an hour minimum wage that Amazon has. That's only for full-time employees. They don't have dental and health care and, and all of these things. And so the average wage at this facility is $15 and 30 cents per hour, which uh, given the proportion of part-time workers at this facility leaves a lot of people making less than that. And in fact, that's a lot of people. There are thousands of workers uh, almost certainly there that make so little that they qualify for food stamps. Okay. So uh, cut the BS about high wages. And like David mentioned, appeals process, safety committees, these are all picked by the employers. You don't have any say over it. And can be changed at any time. And can be changed at any time. There is nothing nothing holding them to this. If you get it in a contract, they are legally obligated to do it. So let's go on. The next one says, don't pay for what you don't know. Know the facts. An authorization card or online form is legally binding and may obligate you to pay monthly dues immediately from your paycheck. There are no free trials. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't pay for what you know. I would say don't say what you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't make statements that you don't know. Have they asked? Have they even have? Has there been any discussion with the union? I don't know. I don't know. You know, the point. The the point being, they make these blanket statements, and 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 you you said you 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 asked me last night. Is this a lie? No, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. What it is is a stretch of the truth. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think it's pretty close to a lie because <laughs> because because here's what. We're in, in Alabama. The only people that are going to be voting in this election are Alabamians, and they're voting in an Alabama workplace, yes. and we are a right-to-work state. So even if you have a union in your workplace, nobody at minor, in Minor David's workplace is obligated by law or by anything yeah. to pay dues. Even if you sign an authorization card. Even if you sign an authorization card. That's exactly right 
I mean, so there's under no circumstances is signing an authorization card actually going to make you immediately start paying dues. And you don't even if you get even if you do sign an authorization card and you win a union, you're not going to start paying dues until you get that first contract. Maybe, maybe it depends. Yeah, it well, depends. You know, the, here's the places. wonderful thing about that is the union. Which are, say over are the people that vote on it, or which are the people in the workplace get to decide what they want to do. They right. determine that, not the company and not the uh, the international or national union that they're affiliating with. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to make paying dues sound like a bad thing. I, I just want to make sure that it's clear what the actual legal situation here is that in Alabama. But if you have a union in your workplace, and hopefully these good workers at, at, at the Bessemer uh, Amazon facility will shortly, they should pay dues uh, because, you know, like – we're adults here and we know that nothing is free and, and that things, you know, you, you've got to contribute to things, whether that be monetarily or with your time or with both. And to have good things, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you've got to do your part. And so, you know, be an adult and recognize that, right? Yeah, and, and, and it's not like these dues are, are going off into some wild blue yonder. I mean, these dues are used for the administration of your mm-hmm. union, of your and, local. And at every, at, I, this is the way that it is at, at my, at my union. I think this is pretty standard operating procedure. At every single monthly meeting, we have a treasurer's report, a financial report. We see where we started at at the beginning of the month, where we ended at, what our income and expenditures were, and then we vote to ratify it. And you vote whether you're going to spend. I mean, not, and we vote on the not, budget. Not one penny gets spent without exactly. a, a majority. Uh, rule of of the people there. Exactly. They determine how they want their money spent. Yeah, yeah. Here's the next one. Be a doer, not a doer. Be a doer, not a dues payer. If you're paying dues, it will be restrictive, meaning it won't be as easy to be as helpful and social with each other. So be a doer, stay friendly, and get things done versus paying dues. Yeah, so here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, if you're not in a union, you're already paying dues. Mm -hmm. You're paying dues to the company through lost wages, through lost benefits that you could have. So the fact that anybody says be a doer or not a doer, I mean, it's it's insanity. Everything, I just said it, everything that we make is ours. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And, and, you know, uh, you, you, part of this says if, you, like, if you're in a union, you can't be as helpful and social with each other. So, David, you have a, few, you have a couple of stories that, that, that I want you to run through really quick on the other side of the break. Because saying that you're, if you're a dues payer, if you're in a union, you're not going to be as helpful or social with each other. That's a bunch of baloney. Like, that is so, that's so silly. Under what circumstances would that be the case? I don't know. We're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. We are moving right along through this anti-union propaganda that Amazon's uh, uh, filled out, uh, uh, put out on their website. And so we were talking about how one of their things said that being a union member means that quote 
It won't be as easy to be as helpful and social with each other. And so, David, I, I talked to you. I, I told you the, the thing that, that I wanted you to mention. Uh, <laughs> you, t- hey, you, you wrote the script for me in the, the, in the commercial? I, I mean, it's, it's insanity. You know, there's a reason why we call each other brothers and sisters is because, you know, we look at each other as family. Uh, you know, I talked about right, right in the last segment with Mindy about how the reason that I got involved is because of the fight that the people that came before me made for me. And the reason that we're, we are able to be on this air is because of, of, of folks that have fought for us before us. My father being one, Joe out there listening on the radio with him, uh, fighting, you know, for, for, for future generations, but also the fact that, you know, what you mentioned, we've got people that, it 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 changes your life completely, completely. The fact that you have good health care, that you don't have to worry about your, your children, your spouse, or yourself getting sick and not being able to afford to, to pay for or to go bankrupt, paying for their medical, uh, the fact that you, you've got good retirement, the fact that you got good wages, and the brother stood up at the, at the conference, you know, and basically – uh, broke down, you know, started crying because he was that, um, you know, emotionally attached to what had been done for him and not done because we wanted to gain something, you know, mm-hmm. not done because we're hiring a anti-union firm so we can continue making profits. It was done because we actually care about the workers that, that are around us every day. Yeah. I mean, that's that's powerful. You know, gr- like a grown man standing up in a convention, basically testifying in front of mostly men. And he was so moved by the love and respect and solidarity that, that those those sisters and brothers had showed him that, that he was moved to tears. I mean, that's important. And they're telling Amazon is telling us that being a union member means that you won't be as social or helpful with one another. I mean, what? What a load of baloney. Well, and to, but to their point, to their point, you're probably not going to be as social with Jeff Bezos whenever he walks through the plant because yeah. you recognize that he is exploiting you. Right. He is exploiting your labor, and he's flying around to, to Barbados and to you know every country that he wants off the backs of these working people. Yeah, but you'll be more social and more friendly with the other people who actually do the work, yeah. and that's what's important. Yeah. Here's the next thing they say. Do's mean don'ts. Don't buy that dinner. Don't buy those school supplies. Don't buy those gifts because you won't have that almost $500 you paid in dues. Why not save that money and get the books, gifts, and things you want? Do it without dues. So here's here's the thing here. They're throwing out $500. That's $500 per year Almost. So I don't know exactly what the RWDSU, uh, what their dues look like, but that $500 number, they get that from... Um, from dues at other RWDSU plants in Alabama. Well, I can tell you exactly what their dues look like, and it's something that we talk about consistently. Their dues will look like what the workers mm -hmm. want them to look like because the workers that form that union, those workers in Bessemer, Alabama, will determine collectively and democratically exactly how much they want to pay in dues. That's exactly right. And, and you know, even if it is $500 a day, uh, a year, let's say it's $500 a year, that's like $40 a month. That's like a couple of streaming services, okay? It's doable. And the real question is, what do you get from it? 
The answer is that obviously getting a union in place doesn't necessarily guarantee anything, but we can look at the data and we can see that union members consistently make 10, 20, 30% more than non-union members, uh, non-union workers in, similarly, uh, in similar instances. You can look at the stats, you can look at the safety, you can look at the health care, the retirements. All of it is better. Our, 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 here's a perfect example. We, I was just talking to a member about this last week in reference to uh, dadgummit, what was her name? Taylor Barnes. You know, she was asking to help find some workers at Lockheed Martin in Cortland. Lockheed Martin does wiring harnesses for missiles. We've got a department in our plant that does wiring harnesses for rockets, for our rockets. They make it almost to the T, double, double, not 10%, not 20%, 100% more than what the, the exact same workers at Lockheed doing the exact same job less than 20 miles down the road, double. You're talking about going from $20 an hour to $40 an hour. Yeah. That is the difference. Yeah, and there you go. And look, we're not, I mean, I don't know what, but it's going to be up to these workers down in Bessemer to negotiate on their own behalf because they are going to be the union when they have that. But we can look to see what other union workers have done, and we can say that it is extremely likely that they will come out not only ahead of where they are, but significantly ahead of where they are. Here's another one. Will I have to go on strike? If a here's, here's some language here. If a union calls a strike, that's interesting wording, everyone is expected to go on a strike, even if you need to keep working. Unions try to prevent people from working during a strike even though you are legally allowed to do so. Unions may even punish employees who try to continue to work. If a union calls a strike, now that's an interesting. That's it's it, it's it's correct if a union calls a strike. But who is the union? The union is the workers. How are strikes authorized? Strikes are authorized by a democratic vote of the membership. Union bosses in no union across this great nation do does a union boss quote unquote does the president of a union who is democratically elected by the membership in no union. Does a union president in the international tell workers to go on strike in a facility? People who are bargaining under a certain contract vote on whether or not they want to go on strike, whether or not they believe that it is necessary to secure better pay and working conditions. And it is so rare these days. I mean, you really, if you look back historically, the strikes were extremely, extremely dense in the 70s. Uh, when we've seen uh, great benefits uh, as well. But it's so rare yeah. these days to go on strike. I mean, it, it's a scare tactic. It's the mm -hmm. same, scare, it's the exact same scare right. tactics they use in every uh, organizing drive across mm -hmm. the nation. But I mean, but sometimes they do go on strike, and it would be good if more people went on strike because we need to assert our power more often, and yeah. and and we could get more if we went on strike. But the the big thing is that if you go on strike, it's because you and your fellow workers, your sisters and brothers on the job, decided that that was the best thing to do for you and your families, and you decided to risk your livelihood for each other and for a better future. Okay, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Here's and 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 the the rest of it is it down. yeah we're, the 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 last thing the last thing that I'll say is the rest of it says is more or less the union can't guarantee you higher wages or better working conditions blah 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 nope that's true I mean they can't that that is absolutely true that's true but if you look at data and that's 
kind of what yeah. we always try to go back to is data driven facts and logic. Yeah. Yeah, screw your feelings. Yeah, facts uh, don't care about your feelings. If we go by facts and logic, we can look at the data and see what other union workers have been able to do for themselves and yep. their fellow workers, their sisters and brothers on the job, and it's better. Okay? Probably it's just better. facts don't care about your feelings. We're just using, look, we're just laying it out for you. I just facts said, and logic. We make double. We make yeah. double what the exact same workers doing the exact same work 20 right. miles from us, working for the exact same company. Yeah. Lockheed is 50% owner in our company. Right. We're working for the exact same company. If the company was so benevolent, you would think they'd be willing to pay those workers the same. But they don't because they don't have a union. Folks, this has been the Valley Labor Report. We will see you next